preparing to produce a podcast explaining how you can pick up Russian girls. Welcome to Hand of Pot. change there I had an introductory joke that was actually topical and uh, easy to think up. It was a good return to form after uh, after, after well I think it was a, a beginning of being in some kind of form after 293 episodes yeah. of frankly not being very funny I'm possibly you putting myself on the back a bit hard though because that does imply that it was funny this time. Mm. Um, I'm Sam Kelly you've already heard English Dan's voice Hello and welcome to this week's episode. And we're joined for Hand of Pod episode 294 by Andres Hello and welcome to English Dance Living Room. Uh, speaking of English Dance Living Room, I hope that the sound's going to be a little bit better than it has been the previous, the last few times we've recorded here. I've turned the microphone down and then I'm going to turn the sound up during production. I'm hoping that's going to get rid of the slightly boomy quality that um, some of you might have noticed if you were listening on proper speakers uh, the last few times that we've recorded in this room. Um, Shall we go over the results from the weekend? Yeah, why not? I'm going to, first of all, a, a disclaimer to our listeners. Um, those of you who follow me on Twitter will be aware, possibly, that I went to cancel the, the, the Paquete de Football on television last week because I didn't fancy paying 330 extra pesos for just one round of matches that didn't really matter. And DirecTV cut it off earlier than they should have done, and I was then left having to watch just shit streams of some of the matches last weekend. This weekend, I didn't manage to watch any games because A, I had difficulty getting any shit streams up, mm-hmm. and B, I was finishing off shit. the Buenos Aires pub quiz, and it's quite awkward to watch a stream whilst also having about three different browser tabs open on the screen at the same time because you're researching quiz questions. So, this episode's going to consist of Andres and Dan telling me in great detail, because they all were glued to their televisions throughout the weekend, what went on. Uh, obviously, I've, I've seen a fair bit of highlights, as people who listen to Hand of Pod Extra on Sunday evening will, will be aware. Um, and the results are, as I mentioned already, it, it wasn't exactly the most important round of matches of the season. But here we go. Chacarita Juniors 1, San Martín de San Juan 4. So Chacarita bid farewell to Superliga football uh, in some kind of style. Lanús nil, Atlético Tucumán nil. Atlético have one eye during that match on their Copa Libertadores commitments, which they are currently undertaking. 37 minutes in and they're at nil-nil away to Libertad in the other match in their group. Peñarol have just taken a 2-nil lead at home to the strongest. If Peñarol win that match, then Atlético need at least a point against Libertad, who I believe are unbeaten so far, aren't they? Unbeaten and already qualified, yeah. yeah. Definitely already qualified. They're on 13 points as it currently stands, so a win here would take them to 15, which means that they must have been beaten at some point, but possibly away to the strongest. Um, or they've drawn loads of ma- No, that's not possible, is it? Oh, someone's just been sent off. This is live football being broadcast to you on a podcast the day after it happens. Uh, is that the goalkeeper? <laughs> you, can't get, you can't beat that, I'm so... Um, I'm not sure what happened there. Eh? I think Sanchez... So that is... It's been shown a red card, hasn't it? Oh, yep. fuck me! That was clumsy. 
so Atletico Tucumán are playing, by the way, at the moment without Augusto Batasha because he uh, was sick or something. He wasn't able to travel with the squad. And so their second choice goalkeeper, who is, is Facundo Sanchez, I can't remember his first name, uh, appears yeah, Biro, Biro to, to have just been sent off for an incredibly clumsy challenge uh, on one of the for Alejandro Sanchez. Thank you. Um, anyway. They had one eye during the uh, the weekend on this match they're playing in right now. They drew 0-0 with Lanús. They're going to do very well now, I think, to, to draw against Libertad because there's still 50-odd um, minutes of, of football left to be played there. Huracán and Boca Juniors in a match that kicked off at 11 o'clock on Saturday morning. Ki- uh, kicked off, ended 3-3. It was a thriller. Patronato and Banfield drew 0-0 in Paraná. Not so much for a thriller. No, but it does mean that Patronato have consolidated uh, a pretty decent first season in the Superliga. Uh, Defensio Justicia 2. Second season, right? Because yes. Chaco and Argentinas were not last year. Oh, you're right, yeah. yeah. I keep thinking, yeah, yeah, well done. Still uh, not quite used to saying that name in the, in the Primera, I'm sure. No, indeed. Defensio Justicia 2, Arsenal de Sarandin nil. So again, Arsenal bidding farewell to the Superliga as well with a defeat. Olimpo at least got a point in their final match in the top flights. They drew 2-2 at home to Tacheres and in so doing, shot Tacheres' chances, slim chances admittedly, of qualifying for the Copa Libertadores on the last day in the foot. Union beat Independiente 1-0. I remember saying last week that I thought that was going to be tricky for Independiente to win given Union's home record, but I wasn't expecting Union to, to go and win it given Independiente have... I think still have the, the best away record in the Superliga, but we'll pick that up in a minute. Uh, Belgrano Tempele was a five goal thriller, attended 3 2 to Tempele. Godoy Cruz beat Tigre 2 0 in Mendoza. Vélez Sarsfield and Argentinos drew 1 1 in Liniers. Rosario Central won Estudiantes 1. Uh, these final four matches were all on Monday. Racing won Colón 3 when Racing had the chance to leapfrog Independiente and Tacheres into the into Libertadores spots. And River 2, San Lorenzo nil, or rather River 2, San Lorenzo's under 12s nil, the way San Lorenzo went out with that one. Uh, and Gimnasia 2, Newell's Old Boys nil. That completes the matches. It means that I was mistaken about Tacheres, in fact. Yeah, I was wondering where you were going with Tacheres. I thought you were going to like, swing well, it around to say, but with the yeah, results they got I through. Uh, at the time, it, oh, it, really did it was going to be. It did, yes. uh, But because of Independiente and Racing both cocking their matches up, Tacheres, in fact, are into the second uh, qualifying round out of three qualifying rounds in total of the Libertadores next season. The final standings. Boca Juniors on 58 points are the champions of Argentina for the second season running. In spite of which, none of their fans wanted to come and talk to us uh, in either of these post-championship that's, episodes. That's really, really weird. Strange. Yeah. They, they've, uh, they've abandoned the podcast. Yes. It looks like they, they adopted the, the Guillermo Moros Colotos uh, attitude that not, yeah, not celebrating, not, not but talking to the press. Yeah, not celebrating too much also. Uh, Godoy Cruz finished second, the best finish in their history with 56 points. Six points clear of third place in San Lorenzo. Huracan... Uh, finished fourth with 48 points and therefore it's those four teams who are into the Copa Libertadores group stage. Tacheres in fifth with 46 points, as I mentioned, are into the second um, qualifying round of the Libertadores. The teams in the Sudamericana are sixth place Independiente who finished level on points but three behind on goal difference to Tacheres. So that lacklustre finishing was really what cost them at times during the season. Racing, who finished on fifth, 45 points in seventh. River, who finished one goal behind Racing, also on 45 points, in 8th place after 
taking about a third of the season off, which I suppose is impressive in a way. Well, Rossi uh, did as well, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if, sorry, if River, if River had won against Colón, they should uh, uh, have uh, qualified to the, to the playoff of the Copa Libertadores instead of... Oh, you're right, yeah. If instead they of the Sheriff. If they haven't drawn that, then they'd have finished on 47 points after all that, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, Defensa Justicia in ninth with 44 points, so they're into continental football for the third year running next season, uh, having been in the, in the Sudamericana for the last two years as well. Union finished 10th with 43 points, Colón are 11th with 41 points, which for the moment is the bottom Sudamericana spot, but obviously if an Argentine club who've already qualified win this year's Libertadores or this year's Sudamericana or the Copa Argentina, uh, those spaces can drop down um, the, the league places. Also, and just he, to add, Union, it's the first time in their history they've qualified for a South American tournament. Is it? It is. Yes. Blimey. Mm-hmm. So they were pretty surprising. happy. And, and they finished two points and one position above Colón as well, so yes. they, they can be very happy with their season. Argentinos uh, finished level on points with Colón, but well behind on goal difference to finish 12th, so they will be the beneficiaries if any of those Argentine clubs do win any of the trophies I just mentioned. Belgrano on 40 points of 13th. I'm going to go all the way down the table because it's the final standing, so we may as well. Vélez in 14th place with 38 points. Atlético Tucumán, 15th place with 36 points. Estudiantes also on 36 points, um, but negative goal difference. Uh, they're not actually... Vélez also finished on negative goal difference. So Vélez are the highest team in the table to finish with negative goal difference. Uh, we still want a couple with positive goal difference to come. Uh, Banfield in 17th with 35 points are the lowest placed team with a positive goal difference. Then it's San Martín in 18th, 33 points. 19th, the Patronato with 33 points. 20th, Rosario Central with 32 points. Terrible season for Central. Yes. But Lanús, considering they got to the Libertadores final, I think we're going to discuss some some awards of the season off the tops of our heads and indeed the listener vote that we held on Twitter uh, overnight uh, in a few minutes. But I think Lanús have to take the underachievers Award yeah. given that they reached the Libertadores final, but at the same time did pathetically and finished twenty first in the Superliga. I mean, at least River managed to to, to pick things up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, Newell's old boys with a three point uh, penalty, of course, from the start of the season, having not paid their squad properly, uh, finished on twenty seven points in twenty second place. That was a bit of a tongue twister, briefly. Gimnasia finished on twenty seven points in twenty third place with a goal difference of minus fifteen. Um, which is 10 worse than Newell's one place above them. Tigre finished on 24 points in 24th place. That's fitting, isn't it? And in the bottom four were the relegated four. Mm. So does this mean the Promedios have accidentally been eliminated already? No. I think it just shows they always eliminate the four worst teams. Um, Indeed, yes, as any River Plate fan will be able to tell you. Uh, in 25th, Tempoli with 23 points. In 26th, Chacarita Juniors with 18 points. In 27th, Arsenal with 17 points. And in 28th, uh, in 28th place with 15 points and 50 goals conceded from 27 matches, Olimpo de Bahia Blanca. Really um, wasn't a good year for Olimpo fans. It wasn't a good year for very, very many, was it, really? Uh, we've had some details about the new season as well, but first of all, Let's go and do what we normally do, and I'm going to ask you what your main talking points from the weekend were, gents. Well, Apart from Bocca getting far too angry about a match that didn't matter to them. Yeah, I think that was a bit of pent-up fr- frustration on the side of Barros Quilota that kind of been hung out, uh, held over from the Supercopa, plus a referee who 
really shouldn't answer back like that as a professional. Um, mm. Talking about the match itself, the big talking point for Boca was the fact that among their six or seven uh, reserves that played that game, because the uh, league was already wrapped up, um, one Fernando Gago was among them. And despite being away for about eight months, he showed that he hasn't really been affected by it. He was definitely the pick of the bunch for, for Boca. After a bit of a shaky start, he just started... Um, really controlling the midfield, giving Boca that kind of edge and penetration from the middle that there's probably been what they've lacked for, um, for a lot of the season, despite doing very well. The, the midfield with uh, Nandes and Perez has always been, I think you could say probably more industrious than creative. And if Gago gets fit, I believe he also came on last night for a few minutes of the did, yeah. 5-0 win against Alianza, yeah. Uh, so that was very positive for Boca. It was a strange old match. Um, Ulacan went up about two minutes in, and everyone thought, ah, here we go. They've, they've thrown it to get Ulacan into the Libertadores because uh, Daniel Angelici is a Bo- an Ulacan fan, da, 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 and they've put like seven reserves in. As indeed Mariano told us was going to happen last week, he, he was uh, ah, yes, of course. quite happy to point out to us that these are two clubs who historically have been quite friendly to each other. So I'm not entirely sure what happened, but it didn't happen like that. Um, Boca fought back, went 3-1 up to the di- delight of Tino Aspria, who went on Twitter because he's been having a running feud with Marco Diaz, the Huracan keeper. I don't know if you've seen any of this. I've, uh, t- how's that happened? Let's see if you can get the... Well, it's basically two degrees of separation rather than six. Let's see if you can guess. It's a little teaser. It's not something to do with one chop, is it? No. No. Go on. Uh, we'll be here all evening if you, if you get me to try to guess. Marco Diaz has said in the press, if Franco Armani can get into the river team after playing four good games, why can't I? That's Franco Mariano Armani is an Atletico Le- Nacional legend in Colombia, uh, as is Tino Asperia. So, that is the, the link, and Espria's basically been trashing him all, all over the place on, on Twitter for the last few weeks, making fun of him, uh, especially because I think he let in like six mm. against Nacional last year, or in 2016, the year they won the Elevadores, and yeah, he, he didn't put his best performance in against, against Boca, it must be said, a couple of pretty glaring errors. Um, then later... Uh, Gago went off, Boca kind of let their foot off the gas a little bit and, and Huracan came, came in with two goals to get it, to get it back to Friel, but they couldn't quite make it. It was all in all a very entertaining game of football because once Boca went 3-1 up, the game just completely went to pieces and you had two teams that just played all out and out kamikaze attack. Yeah, and I, I, I did wonder... As someone who obviously didn't watch the whole game at the time and, and saw the timings of the goals and everything afterwards and then saw the highlights, particularly given the nature of Huracan's equaliser to make it 3-3, which was from a former Boca player, Andres Chavez, who had basically the entire penalty box to himself on a completely free header <coughs> when the ball was sent into the net, uh, in, into the into the goal. Uh, God, ball's that sentence up, haven't I? Into the middle of the area is what I wanted to say. Um, yeah, that was. Do you think this all of, all of the sort of fuss that Boca kicked up after the final whistle was to distract from the fact that they'd just thrown away a two-goal lead and then def- conceded a goal like that because it was ridiculous to find I don't 
No, I don't think so. Like, it was very much in, in time with the game. It was a game where everything just sort of broke down and it was every man for himself. Plus, I believe Boca took the, the opportunity to blood a couple of young centre-backs that haven't played a particularly Yeah, Agustin Heredia and Gonzalo Goni. Exactly. Who, in Kinder fairness Gonzalo. to them, were no worse than Santiago Bergini's been. Well, no. So. no. Also, Julian Chico yeah. in the midfield. That's a name that rings a bell. I don't think I've seen him play, but uh, I've seen him mentioned. In, yes. in the, yeah. It's a promising youngster there. And the others are sort of slightly better established, really. In, Oscar in Benitez. Um, but, yeah. Yes, Junior Benitez, who also played yesterday, didn't he? Did he score one of the goals? Against... Um, I can't remember. Who was it? Alianza Lima? No, yeah, I think didn't. it was, was two from Mo, and then Tevez, and... No, two from Avila, sorry. Yes. Tevez... Uh, and uh, Cardona and Fabra, I think. Yes, and uh, a standing ovation for Christian Pavon, who set up four of those goals. He's looking good, the kid. Yeah. No, the whole feud afterwards with Barasicolota was just a typical storm in a teacup. I think he got more angry about um, the lip that he got from Rapalini, was it? Yes. Yeah. Um, who basically said when. When Barcelona said, "Ah, you played for River in the Supercopa. You played for River," and the referee answered back, "Ah, yes, yeah, so I did you." Which isn't really the most intelligent thing to say. The, the argument seems to have started, though, as I mentioned on Hand of Pod Extra on Sunday evening, which you can listen to mm. by becoming a Patreon supporter at the five dollar a month or more tier, um, because he, he was saying, I mean, one thing at least which was phenomenally unprofessional telling Boca that they were awful and that they were going out the Libertadores on, on Wednesday. That was said to Gago, right? Early Apparently, yeah. Gago, Gago, in, during the first half, because Gago was turning around and, and saying, to Barosic, uh, saying to one of Huracan's players, look, if the referee does this again, then I'm walking off the pitch yeah. and we're getting the game cancelled. Um, but then later in the game, apparently he was he was turning around to Boca players and saying, "Stop playing for time! Stop playing for time!" And and they took exception to this, which I think is, is something that the referee is perfectly entitled to tell players. I mean, it's his job to tell them to not <laughs> waste time, isn't it? Um, they weren't really wasting time, right? No. I mean, I watched all of the second half. I was kind of watching the Rioja the first half because I was out having a coffee. But the second half, I watched end to end, and there really wasn't any. Thomas, I mean, that would go against the whole theory that mm. they went oh, easy on Odecam, right, to try and to try and get them back into the game. So it was a strange weekend. Which conspiracy theory do we go with? Like, you know, yes, mad right. ref or or Ben Bocker giving Odecam a hand? Like, it's how do we so balance? So this? Maybe they're all true because yeah. this this is also possible. But it, it was a strange week in terms of declarations and 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 suspicious uh, or or what things that that uh, in the case of Holland, for example. <clears throat> Saying that, well, Boca should put everything in that match against Huracan because, well, they were fighting with them for a spot in the Copa Libertadores and finally, finally Independiente lost against Union. So, all the words that Holland had said before uh, were use, uh, useless because, well, the match they had to, won, to win uh, lost it. So, <laughs> yeah, Ariel Holland really didn't come out of that with, uh, with much in favour, to be honest. No, and it was a match which, I'm just looking at the statistics now, but I think I'm right in saying it. Yeah, Independiente didn't just sort of lose the match and were a bit unlucky because they couldn't finish, which is what they've done a few times. Not necessarily lost, mm. but they've certainly dropped points they shouldn't have done by being that, not that great at finishing. They played really badly, to look at these. They yeah. Three shots off target, only one on target, and that was all they managed to create. Union had twice as many shots. Um, 
And, you know, obviously, as I said already, Union are a very difficult side to, to break down, particularly in Santa Fe. Um, but given Independiente's away record this season, mm-hmm. if there was one team who should have fancied their chances of getting a result in that match when they needed a result, mm-hmm. it should have been them. Yeah, Union might have played that match like a final, like it was for them, because, as, as Dan said, it was their first time ever they will play a South American tournament like Copa Sudamericana. And for Independiente, was their possibility to to uh, well qualify to next Copa Libertadores, yeah. which they are playing considering they're not by any means yes. guaranteed to carry on in this one. They got a yes, but uh, but as I said last last during last episode, uh, I don't agree. Of course, it's better to to secure your your uh, qualification to the next Copa Libertadores, but. Everyone is talking about oh next Copa Well, but you are playing this one. Yeah, uh, and, and there's never really a, much of a focus on what you've won. And uh, e- even to the point where I saw Boca fans last night uh, during the game and, and after the game against Alianza Lima, saying it's kind of disappointing that we're going to be celebrating group qualification from the Libertadores group stage far more loudly than a lot of Boca fans celebrated the league title that we won a week and a half ago. Um, it, it seems a little bit. People have priorities upside down, but I mean that's the nature of modern football. I think as well, it happens in the English league yeah. as well. Uh, you see Arsene Wenger talking about how fourth place is a trophy and all the rest of it, and obviously getting mocked for it by yes, a lot of people. But also, a lot of people seem to take that seriously. But I, I don't, I don't understand. Perhaps, for example, I know the the, the players of a team that uh, gets out of the Copa Libertadores saying, "Well, but we have already qualified for this one. Well, but if you win this one, you will qualify also for this one." Of course, it's only one. Have won the Copa Libertadores. Yes, <laughs> apart from yeah. that. Yeah, yeah it's, it, it's, it's sad. Um, another team who, as we mentioned already, cocked up their chance to qualify for the Copa Libertadores. Harassing. Yeah. I'm assuming you did see this one all the way through. Unfortunately, I did, yeah. What um, happened? Because that should have been... That's, that's kind of the question I've been asking point. myself uh, a few times since Monday. Um, Racing went into the game in form, um, having not tasted defeat since losing to Defensa Justicia about a month ago. Three three straight wins for Racing uh, after three matches in which they couldn't win three in a row. And then a couple more in uh, Libertadores as well. Yeah. Yes, of course, yeah. Uh, so they were in good form. I think what happened more than anything was that what tends to happen with uh, Chacho Codet's teams and with uh, Bielsa teams and with Sampoli teams. <laughs> It just kind of ran out of steam. You saw it um, uh, missing a couple of key players as well. Uh, had the perfect start, considering they only needed a draw when uh, Barbieri, the centre-back, headed home with a generous deflection, help from a generous deflection. And then, I'm, I'm not sure, they just didn't play smart at all. Um, they didn't go out to protect the lead. They carried on playing this very open, very furious game. Yeah, Colón equalised very quickly, didn't they? Yes, through... Estigarribia. Estigarribia, thanks to a nice individual move from Alain Ruiz, who suddenly looked like Maradona, even though he's been and failed in most clubs in Argentina <laughs> over the years. He's had a decent season this year, though. But wasn't it this time last year that he was going to leave Colón because... And then he got threatened to, like, death threats from the Barra or something, and mm. there was some sort of, of mix-up. Um, yeah, and, and from there... The second goal was a really fucking unfortunate own goal uh, from Meli. I don't know if you saw it. 
I must have done because I watched the highlights of all the games, but I can't remember it now, so remind me. So, Musa, the Racing keeper, makes a fantastic one-on-one save. The ball jumps out, rebounds off the head of Melly. Oh, yes, it hits him in the face. He was standing there and rolls agonisingly in. And just to cap it all, Javier Correa, who I think, if we're totally honest, we can only admit to having a vague notion of his existence. Of his existence as a striker, or suddenly, yeah. If Reese yeah, suddenly put on his messy boots, dribbled around the whole defence from the halfway line, and scored. So he, yeah, he's he's had a decent season, goal scoring wise for yeah. but that was not the kind of goal that he has mostly been scoring. <laughs> them, I think is better to it's see. kind of one of them games that Racing has every now and then where you just think, what the fuck is going on? It was the kind of game yeah. where you, you don't know whether to go, laugh or cry. Oh, Racing. Exactly, um, but you know, considering as we were saying, I'm sure that uh, you guys as uh, River followers would say, considering when our respective teams were at the start of the year, it's hard to be too angry, really. Mm. I mean, Racing were in 18th, River 21st, and they kind of turned it round to, to finish in the top eight. That's really nothing to be sneered at. Just no. a shame how it ended up, really. Indeed. It was in Racing's grasp and they, uh, they wrestled it away. And we can now move on, thanks to that a bit of help from that uh, segue from Dan, to the only one of the big five to win their match at the weekend. Mm. Admittedly helped by the fact that the team they beat were another one of the big five. Uh, River, who won um, two matches, in fact, at the weekend, because they played on Friday. They did. And yes. they beat us two games. Two yes. 2-0 in, in a match that was left over from the 25th round of games. That was the one that was postponed because of Estudiantes Copa Libertadores involvement a couple of weeks ago. Um, and it was supposed to be played on Thursday. And then there was heavy rain on Thursday, which meant that it got postponed again. And eventually it got played on um, Friday afternoon with about 12 people in the stadium because it was played on Friday afternoon and people were 15 working. to 5, yes. Yeah. Um, so two 2-0 wins for Riva. The second of which was this one against well, San Lorenzo with goals from Nacho Fernandez and Rafael Santos Borre, who eventually came good for them. Hmm? It is possible for the match against the Estudiantes that there were more people watching it abroad than people in the stadium because that time is the best for Europe, I mean. Mm. It's 9 o'clock or what? Well, 15 to quarter to, to 9. Uh, but would any European <laughs> broadcasters have been showing it? Well, I don't know, but perhaps... <laughs> or, uh, via, via streaming, it's pretty hard uh, to watch it. Possibly in Spain. Possibly in Spain. But the streaming perhaps or, or what? Any, any, any link you could yeah. uh, catch uh, would have been uh, suitable for, for, well, to be more, more people watching it uh, through that way than, than in the stadium. Because, yes, it was incredible, incredible time. And, and the zone in which the, the, the Monumental is situated, the Belgrano, like Sam likes to say, well, it is, it is a Belgrano, not Thank you. Um, it's very hard to access, and so it's difficult. Mm. But and I couldn't watch any any single minute of that match because of the time, of course. So, well, could, wa- could watch uh, parts of the match on Monday against San Lorenzo. And it was similar to the ones that River has already been winning this mm. uh, uh, the last matches, of course. I must say I'm going to take an ex- exception to this hard-to-access 
I mean, I go to games in Avashanir. And I think Andres means if, if you're working in an office, yeah. particularly if you're in the downtown area or whatever, but yes. it's not that easy to get to for that kind of time in the afternoon. Nor is Avashanir, to be fair. No, no, Trying to get over sure. Puente Puerredon any time after 4pm no, is no. pretty much impossible. I'll take the river, I must say. Yes. And I'll actually take Atlanta, which is just out the road, but, you know, Vegas <laughs> can't be choosers. But... Um, I, th- I think one thing generally from watching River's late season games that it, it's heartening to see that eventually Fernando Quintero managed to play his way into the starting lineup. Either that or Marcelo Gachado is a hand of pod listener and eventually our messages got through to him. I think that's more likely. Um, for next season, River's team has to be built around him, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah if, if, I think so. Well, particularly if Gonzalo Martinez is, is off in, win- in the winter. You got into the World Cup is, squad, right? The Colombia squad. I assume so. I believe so. But we'll have to be built uh, around him if his transfer is bought by River because by December they have to uh, add 3.5 million euro mm-hmm. to the 500,000 uh, I think they have already paid for the loan. Of course, he's only loaned, isn't he? Is that, that's, but that's for 12 months. Yes. So he's not going back right now. Not right now, but if you build, build a team around him mm-hmm. uh, for six months well, yeah. or five months. If, if anybody connected with Porto is listening to this, he's been shit. Don't yes. accept him back. Give, away, give yeah, him to River for half The good news, good news is that even if he plays a great World Cup, which we don't know, that the price that we will, will uh, be will have to pay will be the same. Yeah, because it was it. already yeah. fixed and it will be 3.5 million euros and if they want, they could sell him. I know. For ten, hmm. uh, so it's ridiculous. But I, I would like him to stay, of course. Uh, uh, he, I think he still is not able to, to finish his uh, entire match. But if he plays from the uh, first minute until the sixtieth minute or so, or so, well, he he not in the last very last match against San Lorenzo, in which Prato is, was dressed like Quintero and gave a beautiful assistance to, to Nacho, yeah. Nacho Fernandez. Uh, but anyway, I, I, I like him very much. Even I think that Mariano said that the, the other episode that Belusky, Belusky even playing not at, at his best level is because of the way he plays is necessary. And Quintero, I think, is more or less the same. Yeah, and, and the other thing is that River is just so much nicer to watch when he's in the team than, than when he's not. I've mentioned a few times that River have undeniably uh, improved and, and they're playing much better as a team and, and they're doing what they need to do. Uh, far more effectively but it can be a little bit of a slog watching them even so until Quintero comes on and then you've got I mean as Tim Vickery was uh, telling me on Twitter when, when Quintero first signed for him River fans are going to love this guy he's going to go down as an all time club legend if he stays for long enough uh, and you know you can it's not difficult to see why that's uh, why Tim thought that I don't think Tim has had a, watched him play at Porto or at least at well, he, was, he then went to Independiente Medellín hmm. uh, after uh, playing for Porto, where he couldn't yeah. have... He was in Italy for a while as well, right? I think so. He'd, yeah, he'd been online at Deem, uh, online, on loan at Deem uh, for about six months before River signed him. Uh, let's uh, Google Fernando Quintero to see whereabouts he played prior to that. He has been at... M- he started at Envigado, then he went to Atletico Nacional, then Pescara. Pescara, oh, yeah, that's Before I moved to Porto and then. Oh, Stade Rennes, what's well, Stade Rennes? I think he did quite um, well in, in Pescara, but then they went down or something like that. 
Yeah. Um, I've seen him a couple of times in Italy and he looked good. He did. He, he was able to win the nickname, the New Promise, according to his Spanish language wow. Wikipedia page. It's kind of um, a short-term nickname, right? I mean, how long can you be called the New Promise? No, indeed. Absolutely. He's only 25 now. He's yeah. been well, around the block already, isn't it? Right, Centurion. Because he's been, been around. Mm. I was quite surprised to find out earlier today that Teo Gutierrez is 33 years old. Wow. And he still acts like that. Uh, it's remarkable um, anyway that's that's River's sort of last couple of matches and second half of season in microcosm not that good up until the point where Quintero started getting some game time in other words um, the other main talking points of the weekend I mean I'm looking really at the, the high scoring matches did either of you bother to watch Belgrano versus Tempele what do you think? So? This is one of the matches that in Hand of Pod Extra after last, month, uh, last, last week's Hand of Pod recording with Andres and Mariano we picked out to say do not, for God's sake, waste your time watching this match. Definitely. And that goes to show that you should not listen to a fucking word we say on this podcast. Just because it had goals doesn't mean it was necessarily worth watching, right? Let's see. Tempele uh, took a 2-0 lead 34 minutes in. Belgrano pulled one back really early in the second half. Temple went 3-1 up and then Christian Lehmer scored to make it 3-2 with a few minutes to go. So it's actually, not, not quite to, as dramatic no. as 3-2 makes it sound. It's not enough to make me watch it. But still say. more goals than I was expecting Belgrano and Tempele to uh, produce between them. And the other was Olimpo Tacheres, um, in which I think, still. without having seen it, Tacheres really ought to be kicking themselves, not just up the arse, but in the teeth for that result. Santiago Silva gave them a 1-0 lead um, and they were actually losing uh, because Olimpo equalised and then took the lead with a few minutes to go before Guido Herrera scrambled a 51st minute second half, so that's six minutes into stoppage time, um, penalty equaliser to rescue Tachera's dignity, but frankly I don't think that a 2-2 draw with Olimpo Precisely, I don't think uh, that there is very much dignity involved but as you say they got into the Libertadores yeah. on the back of that and as we mentioned um, Independiente a couple of hours afterwards shitting the bed against Union and Racing shitting the bed at home to Colón later in the Just week. one more thing I'd mention is there was another goal for the great Murra Garcia which confirmed him as the Superliga's mm. top scorer but didn't win him a place in the Uruguay squad and I am absolutely fuming That's criminal How can they overlook him? I think he should just stay in Argentina for a while, get citizenship, and, and which then we'll are talk. which are the cap for Uruguay? Ever? No, never. Which are the strikers for under twenties? He's being capped, but which are the strikers for Uruguay? It's they have Cavani, Suarez, Cavani, Estuani, Crocas is there. Uh, I think Gomez, the Celta kid, oh. and that's possibly about it. But I can't imagine Tavares bringing more than four strikers to be oh. fair Garcia did have I mean he had his uh, drug issues while he was playing he's had a lot of issues yeah um, so, I mean I don't know maybe the Uruguayan public are sort of predisposed against him as it were for that reason I just so. think it'd be great fun to see him at the World Cup yeah <laughs> him and Sergio on together like and he could really and I mean he'd be something of a dark horse he'd be a sort of an, an unknown threat he was. Uh, from, from from the, the point of view of most of the um uh foreign sides he'll be playing against um, you mentioned the goal scorers so we may as well go down the goal scorers yeah why not as well. I think you the top two are Uruguayans uh, Rivas Sebastián Rivas eventually another Uruguayan is not going to the World Cup joint with 
You want to know this Lautaro one. Lautaro Martinez. With young Lautaro Martinez, both on 13 goals, four Very behind Sebastián Garcia. Very impressive from Lautaro, considering he missed about five or six games at the start of the season. Yeah. Yeah, he was uh, on fire there after. He did really well. Franco Soldano of Union is the fourth top scorer with 11 goals. Fernando Marquez of Defensa Justicia is joint fifth, along with Ramon Avila of Huracan and Boca, and Ignacio Ecoco of River, who had that purple patch during which he scored absolutely loads of goals mm. and then managed to fall off the radar and lose his spot in River's first team again by being a bit crap for And the other day he played uh, along with, with Prato at the, at the same time and from the f- beginning. Oh, against uh, Estudiantes. Yes. Yes, on Friday. Um, Marcelo Correa... No, sorry, that's Javier Correa. They're giving him the wrong first initial. Uh, of Colón also finished um, joint fifth. The Maradona as we were saying. Yes. Oh no, the Messi of Santa Messi of Santa Fe. Uh, and then there were several players tied on nine goals. Can anybody name one of those? Benedetto is there. Benedetto is being yes. injured in November. <laughs> despite of being injured and not having played since the ninth round of matches. <laughs> Dario Svitanic, Ignacio Pusetto, the Oracan. Svitanic too scored all his goals in like the first ten games because mm. he was on fire. And Nicolas Blandi are the others. Quite low from for Blandi. Very low. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I guess Mar- really As Mariano said, exactly, yes. San Lorenzo were, were, have played quite dull and functional football, and Blandi's been yes. at the sharp and he's been injured a couple of times, I think, only minor, but he's, he missed a few games. Maros Sarate, of course, who came in in January and then spent about the first two and a half months he was back at the club fighting with Gabriel Hainsey the whole time, uh, managed to score eight goals, as yeah. well as all of the goals that he set up and, and looking like uh, getting Meles playing. Very good comeback from there, there were a bunch of Belles fans who on Paso a Paso on Sunday night, which I don't normally watch, but was watching this week because I hadn't seen any of the games, um, who were sending Marosarate videos, or, or rather the Tei bloke had got them to record videos on his mobile phone and then he was showing them to Sarate after the game. And Sarate was very... sort of had a tear in his eye as he was oh. watching these fans pleading with him to stay. And he's a very good actor. Uh, because you know that he's going to be straight off back to Europe. I mean, partly that's against uh, out of his hands, obviously, because his, his registration is owned by West Ham. I think that this guy wanted him to uh, uh, cry, really cry, like with tears. And it was like, yeah, yes, it is very, very touchy. But no, no <laughs> we'll see what happens. Yeah. I, I hope I can stay or something. And yeah, something very non-committal um, and, and diplomatic. So well done on the diplomacy, Marasarate. But we've seen through you. Um, those are your main scores. Anybody want to guess which player is the only player in the league to get more yellow cards than Pablo Perez of Boca Juniors? If Centurion, 13 bookings. If Centurion had had the entire year, <laughs> I would have said he'd be up there. But 13, 13 bookings more than Perez. Centurion isn't even in the top 42, by the way. There's only one racing player in the top 42, and he's 42nd. Clean play. Fair play. Uh, Very hard to, to oh, fuck. Fewer, fewer red cards. Fabian Rinaldo of Gimnasia <laughs> picked up 13 yellow cards. Pablo Perez, 11 and 1 yellow card. Paolo Diaz of San Lorenzo, 8 yellow cards and 2 reds. Enzo Perez of River mm-hmm. is in 4th of this prestigious table uh, with 9 yellows and 1 red, as is Matthias Fritzler of Colón, joint 4th for those two. Um, and one of our nominated centre-backs for the listeners' 11 of the year is in sixth place, Shemar Gomez Andrade of Union with 8-1. and one. Um, 
So those are the cards. We will come back, I think. We're going to take a break and refill our glasses. And when we come back, we will read out the results from our poll to find our listeners 11. We'll answer a bunch of listeners' questions. And there's got to be something else that we can talk about as well. So we'll think of that. Don't go away. is going to be the topic of the second half of this hand of pod uh, because it seems like the perfect word in which to sum up the world of Argentine football and never more so than this week we're going to let Dan uh, I think mostly explain what happened partly because I've only read a little bit about it really apart from obviously being aware that it happened because you couldn't really avoid it and partly because I know Dan that you were talking about it uh, on a different podcast which we we can name it World Football Phoning or World what, what's it called World Football Index was I? weren't you? was I? Adam Brandon said that he, he tweeted and been discussing it with you no but that was just on in Twitter oh I see okay I, I thought that uh, that you'd been uh, talking about it on the podcast that, that you uh, appear on with him I misunderstood <laughs> however uh, take it away so I believe that the the latest scandal arose this week uh, during sort of a press briefing, right, for journalists that are going to Russia in the World Cup. Yeah, the, the, the AFA, as I understood it, the AFA decided to put on a training session into the Russian language and Russian customs. Yeah, so, so that journalists and AFA directors and club directors and. Um, there was another category as well, but I can't remember, of, of people uh, who were travelling to the World Cup could become familiarised with the rich tapestry of um, things that there are to do and experience. Exactly, the they put together a, a press pack, you know, about the language, about the things, you know, I'm guessing it had how to order food, you know, how not to come across like a, an arsehole, how to talk to people properly, you know, respectfully. You know, all, all well and good until the journalists got to a section which was how to talk to, us, to Russian women. Which, first of all, as was later discovered, was uh, lifted straight off a Mexican blog and no one even bothered to edit it. So you had um, phrases like, uh, tu eres uh, un invitado en el país. No one in Argentina talks like that, and uh, si quieres platicar, and platicar is a word that, again, is never used in Argentina. No. Um, and aside from that, it was just very patronising, very ridiculous, you know, having to point out that, in Russia at least, women shouldn't be treated as objects. No. Um, you shouldn't just speak openly about sex about them because they might not like it. Russian, it Russian women don't like these things. No, Russian women don't like Unlike yeah. women in Latin America who you, love it. Yes. You shouldn't brag about uh, all your money, which I can't imagine for a, I can't imagine for a journalist anyway. would be a problem. <laughs> uh, yes, some of these things were, I have to admit to, to actually bursting out laughing when I It was very there's, funny. There's it one particular bit which I really, really like, which is Russian women like it 
when you look and smell clean. Yes. So perhaps have a shower before going out or something mm-hmm. like that. And it's like, I mean, it. Are you giving this class to a bunch of adolescents? Why do you need to talk them into washing? This is ridiculous. Very sound advice. Um, the upshot of this was the AFA educational director, whose name has unfortunately escaped me, but I believe... Taraborelli. Taraborelli. Well remembered, Andres. Very good. Um, first of all, put out a statement essentially blaming the kid who runs the AFA's photocopier. <laughs> Somehow, for getting this in. And later... Voluntarily, I'm sure, uh, presented his resignation to Chiquitapia because probably the alternative was waking up to find a horse's head in his bed. He, he also, first of all, I have to say, claimed that the journalists were making this up and that oh, there's yeah, no yeah. such page in the thing. And, and Chiquitapia apologised. Because at first, when it came through, the guys kind of rushed around to call the press packs back, but there was one, one journalist, journalist managed, managed to rip the page out. But, uh, and Chiquitapia apologised to all women, not only Russian. Yes. So as you should. That's, that's very open-minded yes, of it. Yes. Well done, Chiki Tapia. And they say that, that uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The gentlemanliness is, is dead. Chivalry. Chivalry, thank you. I, mean, I, was, I wanted to say caballerosidad <laughs> in Spanish, and I was trying to struggle to find the English word. Um, there we go. So, yeah, that's, that's what happened here in Argentina this yeah. week. In Russia, meanwhile, they were all in a tizzy for an... For, again, for something which was... Fairly misogynistic and homophobic from Tessa Sports. That actually got to Russia, did it? The Russian embassy wow. filed an official complaint. Wow. It's, yep. it's as if the internet is a thing that exists now and people can access content from all over the world. Apparently even in Russia they have it these days. Yeah. Who would have known? I'm sure they had no idea. I mean, gay people don't, obviously. No, no. Because they're not allowed. No. Uh, you, mean uh, the spot, was... you mean the spot that they said, we are sick? Because, well, it talked about the gay community. Yeah, basically saying, so, ah, so uh, Putin and Russian people think homosexual people are sick. So we must be sick because we give off slightly homoerotic displays of, uh, of machismo. Of course, because that's the same thing. I have to, I have to admit that it took me a watch or two to realise um, that uh, Dan was right about this. I, I initially, obviously, I understood what the argument against it was. I just, I, I latched onto that... Uh, the homoeroticization of football and using some slightly camp humour and thought, this is something that's, um, that, that amuses me. I think uh, possibly the point of no return was, or the same yeah, was um, no, showing right. uh, Leonardo Poncia with blood yes. streaming out of his eyes. Yeah, yeah. It's um, like, no, that, that's too far. And, and the <laughs> other thing that I did have a major problem with even before I you know, saw the light, as it were, uh, was the mm-hmm. idea of Teise, who were an organ of the Clarine group, um, suggesting that uh, all of this was fine and it was something to be joked about. I mean, if you look at that particular media group's record on certain other things, it's not great. In much the same way as I actually first heard about the AFA um, training manual scandal via the homepage of Olé, a website which runs a daily Reader's Wives-like section involving like 17-year-old girls wearing bikinis and encouraging their readers to wank over them and then holding a poll at the end of each month to find the best, the hottest babe of the month, basically. And they, they publish uh, headlines when there is a black uh, skin player. Yes. As a, uh, they they talk, uh, talk about coal or, or things like that to be funny. And, well, of course they aren't, but... Or they, as I, they I recall on at least one occasion when... It, um, Alvarez Balanta scored a winning goal for River, joking about the size of his cock. Did 
Which yeah. is the part of his body that it had gone off the uh, that the ball had gone in off. But yeah, um, yeah a bit racist. But did you not? Did you not see when um, the African guy who played for Huracan went on one TSC sports program? No, they gave to him as a gift the hat made famous to the black gentleman on WhatsApp who has a really large penis. I made him wear it. I see. Yeah. That's big of them, isn't it? It's a compliment. Yeah. I don't know why they take it. <laughs> I, think that's, I think that they say... Sorry, that's a joke, is, just, just to be clear. I Carol think that they it. say wanted to produce a, a perhaps better, even better spot than the one mm. that they made for 2014, which was really great, with the Pope Francis talking about... Yeah, or the, the yes. famously the, the 2016 Copper Centenario one as well, with, with Donald Trump, Trump yes, talking yeah. about the wall. Um, but they got it all but, wrong. Yeah, they and did. it looks like now they've run out of any sort of budget to do an advert because I saw their latest uh, attempt at kind of going viral today. I don't know if you've seen it. No, no I have not. It was basically some guy singing a really horrible offensive song, taking a piss out of Chile with uh, static images of football games behind. Oh, I saw somebody complaining about this, saying <laughs> this is never going to be a thing that people sing in the stadium because each line has got a different lyric and that's just not going to happen. It's uh, terrible, yeah. Um, so it's not their year, I think. They're really, really struggling to put their finger on the pulse this year. Indeed. There are other things to talk about as well. And for those, we're going to move to listeners' questions, I think. Mm. We've had one by email which I'm going to read out first because I just remembered it and Excellent. I don't want to forget. And it is from Jimmy Lee. Oh, he's got two questions, in fact. He sent me two emails. The first of which is, what does Sampaoli have to do to get Messi and Dybala playing together? And then he says, just kidding, here's the real question because he knows that that's not a question that we're amused by. Um, he says, I've had a couple of people ask me already who is someone from, who's someone from Argentina who they don't know about who I think could have a big impact at the World Cup this summer. My answer has been Christian Pavon. Is there anyone else that could fill this spot? I guess we should wait until the 23 is announced. I'm just going to add a parenthesis here. That's, that's highly likely to be on Monday. Um, and he then says, but Lautaro, Martinez or Ricky Centurion could also be those guys. I doubt either of them, even if they make the squad, would get a ton of playing time, though. Gents? I'd single out Centurion to make an impact. I don't know at this point whether it would be a positive or a negative impact. <laughs> or, but a, or a nuclear one, as I've said a couple of times. But some kind of impact he's going to make, that's for sure. And at the moment, he's looking uh, a bit more likely than Lautaro to, to make the squad. So that would be that would be my my pick. To make an impact. I'm not saying what yes, kind of impact. But the thing is that Centurion didn't have even a single minute to test or to... See whether he could it's play. Not necessarily a disadvantage though, in this Argentina team. But for example, considering what's happened so far in the test. But for example, it was confirmed that Pavon will uh, jump into the matches in the second half mm. or to to open defenses that are tired and he's of course fast. But for for Santoyon, we don't know whether he somebody wants him from the beginning of the matches, from the first minute, or also to. I, I he's going to start as Di Maria's Yeah, that's what I was going to say. He's, he's, he's going right. to so, yeah. for, for so once uh, Di Maria against Iceland finishes running 60 metres for no reason and pulls his hamstring, that'll but be Maria when Fabian comes yeah. in. Yeah. Yes. I, I mean, I think, essentially, I, I agree with everything that Jimmy has said. Uh, Pavon is definitely going to be in the squad. He should be your default answer when people ask you this. Mm-hmm. Uh, either Lautaro Martinez or Ricky Centurion are also worthy of mention, but they are correspondingly a little bit less likely to either be in the squad or 
play very much. Uh, Pavon's going to be the, the first. How many? Those three. How many players from the Argentinian Superliga will be there? That's a good point. We've I brought the list up. Armani, four at the moment. Pavon, is it Pavon, Martinez, Pablo Perez, five. Answered Martinez and Centurion. Yeah. Oh, well remembered. I was about to try to get the list up, but if you've managed to name them all down, don't know. I believe it's a high number for. Yeah. It's a number, yeah, and I can imagine, yeah, Pablo Perez and and Lautaro are likely to be left out, but you still probably should have three there. So mm. I reckon Armani's going to make it as a third keeper. And I'm going to ask you this now because I haven't been uh, paying quite enough attention to realise that Lautaro had dropped down the pecking order, but why is that? It's not so much that he's dropped down the pecking order, more that Sampaoli looks ready to just go with four strikers. Mm. So that would be yeah, because before Messi, Aguero, Iwain and Diwana. But Before anybody starts to get too excited, that does not mean that Mauro Icardi is actually being included, even though he is in the 35. No. Barring injury. Doesn't seem Icardi so. Icardi's not going. Yeah. Um, Jimmy also asks, I've just realised I meant to share this one with you two beforehand so that you could mm-hmm. have a think, but I forgot Thanks, to. Which of the shirt sponsors of a Superliga team oh, have products which you regularly use? I know that a ton of them are banks or things like that, but are there any companies or products that you use regularly? Maybe you're running low on cash and can only afford a Seco instead of real Coca-Cola. Um, I don't drink Coca-Cola. No, I mean, yeah. I, I don't drink any Coke. In fact, even with the Fernet, I, I'm not drinking tonic water with my Fernet. It tastes nicer and it's I think way I, less unhealthy. I think I don't but, use um, any, any, any brand of No, I was, I was thinking of this. I've been thinking of it for, well, since Jimmy sent me the email yesterday and I can't think of any unless there's a team I've forgotten about who are sponsored by Banco Nacion which is my bank no. and they're certainly they're probably not allowed to spend money on <laughs> given that they're a publicly owned bank they're probably not allowed to spend money on, on there are a lot of teams sponsored by Autocredito which is a, yeah. a company that brings uh, offers like a loan uh, or you pay a payment monthly payment for to, to get for a car and Funnily enough, I started to interrupt you, Andres, but I've just realised because there's a, spon- a, 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 a substitute coming on now that Atletico Tucumán, who we're currently watching, are the team who are sponsored by Seco, of or course. one of the teams who are sponsored by Seco. Yes, they're still drawing nil nil with Libertad, by the way, with 14-ish minutes to go. Um, I always remember always uh, who used to have the no Rafaela who used to have the dairy sponsor. That was all boys, wasn't it? The cow in the field. The cow yeah, in the field. Yeah, that's all boys. Was it not? Rafael also had a dairy Rafael sponsor. They are the lecheros. The one with the yeah. uh, um, dairy sponsor with the, the magnificent logo which just consists of a cow standing that in the field. That was an all boys shirt. There we go. Yeah. That I might have used a bit more. Because I, I think I seem to remember Christian Fabiani playing for them while they had that on their shirts and thinking <laughs> it's a bit brave to invite that comparison. <laughs> but um, anyway, uh, Jimmy adds by uh, himself, I live in Seattle now so the only one that I use regularly is CBC. But there were a few others who I used to use or buy when I lived down there. Uh, no, until Fernet, uh, the brand of Fernet that we drink on Hand of Pod, which I'm not going to mention the name because they have been offered the opportunity to sponsor us on a couple of occasions and they have not said yes, uh, so they don't get mentioned. Uh, but until they start sponsoring a uh, an Argentine football team, the answer is no, I believe. No. Unless, the... unless you're, you're not, are either of you BV... BBVA No I've occasionally Got money out From one of their Cash machines But yeah, that's about As far as I know <laughs> Yeah you know There we go So that's Jimmy's question I'm just going to Quickly check my inbox We've not had any others From What was this No We haven't had any others Via email We've just had A bunch From Twitter 
So here we go, checking the Twitter notifications. Um, the questions are... Oh, we need to do the um, listeners 11 of the season as well. we'll, we'll uh, let's finish off with that since we don't have any uh, psychic kind of blood. Indeed. Um, God, we've, oh, we've got a lot of, of uh, people complaining about some of our, no, our nominations as well. Um, here we go. Right. We've got lots of people suggesting their own 11, so I may as well go through this with them. Tom Robinson says, without wishing to derail the process, so the, the, one of the rules that I set for, and I'm going to start uh, typing in while I talk here, uh, one of the rules that I set for the Handapod list at 11 was that nominations had to have played at least 15 matches over the course of the season in the Superliga. Uh, so Tom Robinson's first question is, without wishing to derail the process, Sam, did either Franco Aramani or Ricky Centurion play more than 15 times? Mm. I must admit, obviously, uh, perhaps, that I had forgotten to check those two. before. Actually, I, I'm pretty sure I did check Aramani, and I think he has, but I'm going to confirm that now, because Universal Football very handily have a list of how many play, uh, which players have played how many matches. Franco Aramani played bollocks. 14 matches. Well, we can from River. lead in, it's fine. Uh, it's over half the season, to be fair. I think 14 should be the cut-off, because it's more than half. Uh, and Ricardo Centurion played... 14 or 13, 14 as well, yeah. for Racing. So no, I'm fact, saying, I'm to, um, I'm no, saying no, it's no, more than half we can include it. No, but I'm, 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 I'm king at the pot. More than 10 matches. Not. So we're going to have to exclude them when I, I read out the uh, uh, nominations. Uh, Tom then adds his own 11, so Tom's 11 would be Martin Campagna in goal. These are all in 4-3-3, by the way, because that's based on the fact that Boca won the league. And that was the formation that they played best in, even though they only did it for a few games. Uh, he's gone for Martin Campagna of Independiente in goal. Luciano Arecasis, Herman Conti, Cristian Lema and Franco, Frank Fabra across the back. Wilma Barrios, Maxi Mesa and Jota Ramirez. <laughs> uh, Ramirez from Tacheres, I think. Ah, well done. Well remembers. And uh, Ignacio Puceto, that's a good call. Um, Martina, uh, oh, either Lautaro Martinez or Santiago Garcia and Christian Pavon across the front. He's also named some subs, which I'll retweet in a bit, I don't know. Um, we've got Luis Pessoni says Sebastián Rivas and 10 others, <laughs> which is a brave call. No, because uh, I, I answered to my retweet from for the centre-forward uh, poll. So he said that because of Rivas... Rivas was nominated in the poll. Ah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Belgrano English says, what the hell? According to who scored, Christian Lema was the best player of the season. Well, first of all, we don't use the who scored stats. We use the fact that we've actually watched the games. Uh, yeah, and he doesn't even hate the centre-back nominations. Porteño Bias. There were a bunch of non-Porteño centre-backs in the nominations, That's Belgrano cool. English. And <laughs> Are you Porteño? I mean, yeah. Uh, neither are <laughs> I. Nor, well, we are in the sense that we live in the city of Buenos Aires. So from that point of view, yes. But no, we weren't born there. Um, and uh, no, the other thing was that um, I mean Belgrano's defense was not among the best in the league, and, no. and we were prioritizing that. As but it's it's, it's really it's uh, true that if you separate the players from the system or the players from yeah, the, of course, yeah, uh, yeah, Lema was one of the best, scoring more goals than the strikers, I think. So I mean, as, as I said a couple of times, um, I think in recent weeks, I think that Hernan Conti and Guillermo Ortiz at Colón have been the best centre back pairing. Mm full stop but uh, obviously that doesn't necessarily mean too much Sasha said how has Nicolas Gonzalez been this season who's Nicolas Gonzalez I was hoping Argentino Juniors mm. it's Argentino Juniors striker 
I think. Yeah, of course, yes. Yeah, yeah, well done. He's been decent. So decent yes. that we just struggled to remember who he was. Um, but, yeah, it must be him, right? His, his first name is Nicolas. Yes, it is. Excellent. 24 appearances, 7 goals. Did alright. Yeah. Particularly in the second half of the season, he, he improved. I think as Leonardo Piscolici started to get a bit more playing time as well. It's a strangely specific question. Is this guy good on Football Manager or something? <laughs> I have no idea. The thing is that Argentina Juniors, for me, was a decent team in terms of the, the way they played, but not uh, brilliant for any player in particular. No. And, and they weren't one of the teams who you sort of would need to make a point of watching their matches, which is why... The McAllister guys, perhaps, were high, high... Oh, high. yeah, particularly yeah. Kevin McAllister, yes. uh, at left-back, who started off the season in, in, you know, just coming out of the youth team and is now Argentinos nailed-on starter. Um, it's very appropriate name as well, I must say. I wanted to nominate him, but he didn't play 15 times because he only really came mm. through in the second half of the season. Obviously, Alexis and um, the other one, whose Mate. name is... Francis. Thank you, Francis. I wanted to say Carlos, but I was like, no, that's their dad. Um, they, they both played more because they were playing a lot more from early on in the season. Uh, but apparently Kevin didn't play enough. NSC says, my team is Campania or... Oh, sorry, Campania. Bustos, Conti, Magashan, Fabra, Mesa, Barrios, Paul Fernandez, Pavon, Lautaro y Monito Vargas. We did talk about Monito Vargas in... In our WhatsApp chat, we did. Back. Yes, he got the nomination as well. Uh, You'll be pleased to know that. Um, <laughs> and he said he's, he's mentioning this in Spanish, so I'm not sure whether he's actually listening. But if you are, and I say then then hello. Uh, and he says uh, that he feels that Marcos Diaz, Cristian Lema, and Ignacio Puseto should all have been nominated. I actually mentioned Puseto myself in the nom- in the uh, the WhatsApp chat that we had before nominating and then I Diaz couldn't get find somewhere to sort of, actually I think he did get nominated in one of the positions I'm not sure I think I put him into one of them um, but yes uh, we have had a question from Ese Todoriki which again for some reason hasn't shown up in our notifications but Liam Kelly was kind enough to respond to it which means I've just been reminded of it he says, are you surprised at the result from the Racing versus Colón game? Racing had a lot of the ball but weren't effective with it yeah, Liam, but I'm not surprised because it's Racing and that pretty much coincides with, with what I said before. I, as I said, I was quite surprised by it. Um, yeah, it was because Racing have been very good in 2019. But as I said, they just ran out of gas at the end there after playing Copa Libertadores and going for it in the league with very little squad rotation. Indeed. Uh, Liam Kelly has decided to ignore our 4-3-3 requirement and put together his own team of the season, which... Perfectly welcome to do. He's gone for Armani in goal, Conti, Lema, Franco along the back, Pavon, Barrios, Paul Fernandez and Vargas as a four-man midfield, Ignacio Puseto in behind, Lautaro Martinez and Santiago Garcia. I really like that selection. It's a little bit attacking, I must say. It's, it's positive, if nothing it's else. It's definitely positive. You've got it's about a 3 one, six. Yes, something like that. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I, I like that one. As I say already, I, I, I wanted to put Puseto in there myself, but I just sort of when I was going through in the 4-3-3 at least there were always options ahead of him um, Liam also says interesting that Central have opted for Edgardo Balsa is this a good appointment Edgardo Balsa has returned today it was confirmed um, to the club where he was born I believe as a technical as a, as a manager and as a player and as a player as well yeah you're quite right uh, he took Rosario Central to the Copa Sudamericana sorry the Copa Libertadores semi-finals in 19... 19- 90 I think it was something like that yeah um, he is a, obviously is, is the only manager 
in Copa Libertadores history to take four different clubs to the semis. Um, and Central were the first of those. Um, Wait, four? He's moved on a bit. Yeah. Central, Liga de Quito, San Lorenzo. And, and. You can do this, Dan. He was managing them right before he took over Argentina. And indeed, oh. got them to the semis right before he took them over Argentina. Ah, who was that before? Brazilian club, Dan. Ah, I think it's moved on a little bit and he has had obviously a fairly underwhelming time um, with Argentina and then the with two different national teams <laughs> in the Middle East. Um, so I, I, it's going to be interesting. I don't see any reason why it can't be a good appointment. I think that if Central had been doing a little bit better than they did this season, it would be a bit of a strange one because. Again, it's a bit of a 180 degree turn in terms of the style of play that they like to go for. Um, so it's, it's going to be interesting to see how watchable Central are next season. Let's yeah, say. I mean, it's a logical move. At club level, yeah. at this level, he's, he's a fantastic manager. So. No, it's a, it's a totally logical move because you know, you've got a club who've been underperforming for the last two seasons, really, and who better to, to go back to than, than the local hero, the the club legend and someone with a track record of, of you know, creating effective teams, not particularly uh, attractive sides, but definitely teams that grind out points and, and that's exactly what Central need at the moment. Uh, I don't think they played awfully, awfully. They could have possibly picked up a few more points uh, than they ultimately did this season, but uh, obviously it, it all depends on on what kind of players come in to, to accompany Balsa, yeah. uh, whether Ruben, who's someone who's always very important for them, stays. Love uh-huh. to see, you know, the two strikers they got up front, uh, Ruben and San Pedri, are sort of made for a Balsa style, really. Like, They're also quite guys. similar as well, as we mentioned a few times earlier. Yeah, but the... with Balsa, it's not too much of a problem, I think. You, can, <laughs> you know, right. just get the ball out there and, and let them do their stuff. The other so, thing that will be interesting to see is, is how some of those younger players come through because there are one or two, um, Maxi Lovera, um, yeah, Lioi. Thank you, yes, Lioi, who scored that hat trick from midfield against one of the teams, um, who had a really strong start to this calendar year um, in the second half of the season and who then faded after a first, sort of five matches in which they looked absolutely brilliant. So it's going to be interesting to see how well they can come through towards the start of next season and when they can pin down first team places. Yeah, I think that the main problem or, or, or uh, things to 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 do there is for kids, especially Lovera, Lioi, uh, Lopez, Cristiano, the, the, mostly the kids that have been playing for Central in the last matches is that they perhaps will have to watch videos for, for, from on Bausa because they are 20, 19, 19 years. Mm. Perhaps when they the Garda Bausa was playing when these kids were were being born so uh, yes they will have to to check perhaps yeah. that and, and well uh, but uh, uh, some, sometimes they say that the, for a kid it's better to have a coach a, a young coach because they understand them better and, and, and that but a, 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 a man like Bausa a, a mostly legend of Rosario Central is good for them yeah I think it's good for them yes yeah, sorry. He took, uh, I, I said that he took Central to the 1990 Libertadores semi-final. It was the 2000 Libertadores semi-final. He started managing in 1999, so I added 10 years to his life there. I'm sorry, Ricardo. Um, 
if you're listening, which you're probably not. Let's just say he looks so old, it doesn't surprise you to think he would be there. No. I think in 1990, wasn't he in the Argentina World Cup squad? Yes, or? I think he yeah. was. Yeah. Yeah, um, he got to the final, you know, so he's no slouch. Carlos Palacios says, in everyone's opinion, who are the players who are missing from the 35-man list and who should be in the final 23? I'm, I'm surprised not, sure not to see Angel Correa, the only Argentine player to win a European trophy this year. Uh-huh, yes. I thought he was worthy of a... Of a place, uh, Cranaviter is a guy I possibly would have had in as well, considering he knows San Paoli, he's worked with him at yeah. Sevilla, that kind of thing, and, and always helps. Providing that Bilia had suffered another terrible, not terrible injury, but yeah, yeah. but a setback, let's say. Considering, yeah, the, the Alejandro Gomez uh, tried to kill him basically. Yeah, I was very surprised right after he came back from a broken spine. I was very surprised to see uh, Batalia because he's a guy who I kind of lost from my map. My yep. radar since he completely failed at Racing. Um, apparently he's doing well. Um, I guess he's alongside Marcos Acuna and Asi Guerrero, like anyone can look good at. Uh, alongside Will, mm. he's just that kind of player. Yeah. I'm not sure there are many who are sort of actually missing from the 35. The confusing no. thing is obviously we know that some of these team players in the 35 aren't going to make it. Yeah, you can make an argument possibly for Rulli or for a couple of players. Like, I think... If Gago had come back a few weeks later, he could have been in the discussion. You laugh, but he's... I'm not laughing, play I'm putting a funny face, because yeah. you know he's going to get injured at the World this Cup. This is a problem, though. He's so fragile. He's, uh, he's the kind of player Argentina needs. Like There's no but it's, it's real person who can do that fit, job. It's yeah. such a, I mean, what's the point in wasting a squad place on him when you, he might very well... There's, there's you know a 50-50 chance he'll get through the first two group games. And this is always a problem, yeah. For, for me, Gago, Tevez and Enzo Pérez never were have possibilities to... Benzo's there, right? No, Pablo. Pablo Perez. But Enzo Perez is, 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 yeah. is, is, is in the 35. Yes, he's in the 35. Yeah, Enzo Perez is in the 35. Yes. Oh, I thought six local players. Oh. I, 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 I looked through the list and I thought that Enzo Perez wasn't on it. Yes. I stand corrected. He's not going to make the 23. Mm, probably not. Who should be in the 23, gents? Who should be in it? Messi, possibly. Yes. <laughs> That's probably safe to say. Yeah. Uh, with Armani, Romero, Romero, Guzman and Armani. I think, I think they're going to... No, he's going to take Cavachero and Armani, I believe. Oh, sorry, Cavachero, yeah, not Guzman. So, no, no, no Guzman, then. No Guzman, which is a shame. I'd possibly have him ahead of Cavachero. But it's like the second or third keeper. It doesn't really make much, that much no, difference. Um, so those are the goalkeepers. And beyond that, I am much less certain about anything. Well, Otamendi's going to be there, isn't he? Marcao's going to be there. Fasio's going to be there. Uh, Talia Fico and Acuna. Oh, speaking of Talia Fico, sorry, that is one player who I was surprised not to see in the 35 was Fabrizio Bustos. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he, was, he was called up by San Paoli so many times, obviously didn't get to play because he was injured several times, and then he finally did get to play. I think he just he, ended up... He did all right when he, he, when he played. He ended up traumatised from Spain, I but, think, yeah. that wing was an absolute No, but, but to see him just uh, to drop like that, especially when... Carachero faced five shots on target and conceded five goals. This is true. I honestly thought that was the end for Carachero as well. It's a surprise. That, yeah. that and also, I would not have Mascherano in there, but he's definitely going to be in the 23. Atletico Tucumán have just sealed a nil-nil draw away to Libertad, which means that they are guaranteed. I'm not even going to look at what Peñarol did. Um, they were winning 2-0. I mean, they must have done. They were playing the strongest at home, so if they didn't win, then I'd be astonished. Uh, but Atletico Tucumán are into the, the round of 16, the eighth sub-final of the Copa Libertadores. Congratulations to I them. I believe for the first time. So River Boca and Atletico de Tucumán are already qualifying. Racing. Yes. Ah, Racing. So far. 
uh, Independiente might join them later this evening in about mm, half an hour. I think it's it's only their penultimate game, not the last Of course game. it is. Yeah, they've still got two games to play, haven't they? Thank you for reminding me. Um, but sorry, yeah. So who should be in the final 23? It's will... easier to say next week when we know who no, shouldn't yeah. be. <laughs> that, then, then we'll, we'll join in Bustos, two, but, Sorry, but Bustos not, not uh, being in the 35 list means that so far the only right back is Mercado. Yeah. And Salvio, apparently, who's going to be a right back. back. Hmm. It's well, a strange one, yeah. It's an interesting selection. It reminds so me of is pretty convinced about Salvio's right back abilities. Uh, I remember that um, Diego Maradona in 2010 didn't name any full backs at all in his squad because mm. he thought that if you named wide players uh, in a defensive position, then you were being too chicken or something like that. And that was why Jonas Gutierrez and Nicolas Otamendi ended up playing at right back. He very nearly ruined Otamendi's career. Um, then we've got a question from Wayward from Hayward that said Argentina should aim to finish second in Group D. They will likely get France and then Portugal, but would avoid both Spain and the Germans. Mm-hmm. Face Brazil in the semis. Thoughts? My first thought is that aiming to finish second in your group is always a very risky strategy. I think it's all impossible. My second right, is though. I'm not sure you should aim to do anything that's going to involve playing France in the next round because they're going to be, for me, they're one of the three favourites along with Spain and Germany. Yes. Gents, any further thoughts? <laughs> They just got to go out to win, like, I mean, they're not going to do themselves any favours by thinking of these things. The team's just got to try and gel, they've got to try and start to play together and, and see where it goes from there. Of course, it's more painful to lose in the final, in an hypothetical final against Brazil than in the round of 16, but you have to play with them anyway yeah. if you want to. Yeah. So it's To win the World Cup, you've got to beat the best teams, like, it's, it's not also worth, it. worth bearing in mind as well that for some Unimpressive results recently in Friendlies. Uh, San Paulo's Argentina were the first team to beat TT's Brazil in any match, competitive or otherwise, in San Paulo's first match in charge. Um, so they shouldn't necessarily fear them. Tom Robinson says, Now that Gianluigi Buffon is leaving Juventus, how many clean sheets will he get for Boca next season? Mm, depends if they bring in Chiellini as well to replace Verrini. And De Rossi. Yeah, and, uh, yeah De Rossi wouldn't help. Potentially quite a lot. I suspect the actual answer is none. <laughs> but uh, after the match against Palmeiras, in which uh, every Boca supporter was uh, wanted to send uh, Rossi to the moon, now they are, I think, more at ease with Boca qualifying yeah. and, and Rossi not making so <laughs> so uh, awful mistakes so far. So it's a goalkeeper's lot, isn't it? Like you make a mistake, everyone crucifies you, then you can play well for a few weeks. People forget I would until like the next mistake. I would hope that Buffon would be able to brush that off, though, even the Archie. Well, yeah. Of, uh, um, no, I'm speaking in favour of Rossi, like, why? Oh, sorry, right. They should keep faith, yeah. Adam I'm Brandon sure, yeah. uh, says, adds on, sorry, to Tom's reply, he's replied to Tom's question, with his completely unreasonable streak towards referees now exposed, how well would he fit in and how many referees' wives should fear for their lives? Uh, All right. of we're in Argentina so I think he fit in excellently particularly at Boca given that he plays for a massive club who have a proven record of bribing referees <laughs> and yet still thinks Ooh. that referees are all against Juventus um, I, I, I think that not that I'm suggesting that Boca have a proven record of that no, I'm of just course, saying for a Juventus player to complain about referees being against them I find it <laughs> completely laughable and it would fit in absolutely perfectly with Boca's current mentality obviously if we had a Boca fan here in the room with us they might be able to refute me but I still wouldn't be particularly cowardly about saying it um, there we are those are all of our listeners questions we've got one more from have we Luis Bissoni which is hidden there because he replied to me when I retweeted that one where I said yeah 
Oh, I see. Thank you. Yes, I see what you've done here. Uh, so Luis Bissoni replied to Dan, which is the wrong thing to do, Luis. You know yes, you got all sorts of confused. To say, does there seem to be more apathy down there about the Albi Celeste this time around after the various final failures, apparent continued inclusion of various muertos, or dead players, to the exclusion of deserving others, and Tapia somehow allowing the AFA to regress or embarrass even further? I'm not sure that those are all of the factors behind it exactly, but I do think that there is less blind optimism about Argentina's chances this time than for the two previous yeah. World Cups I've been here for. Possibly to do with the location, because the last one was, you know, just around the corner in Brazil, a hell of a lot of people could go. All the media went basically for for two months, obviously it got ultra hyped. Yeah, and also there was a lot of jingoism because it was in Brazil and it was the yeah, chance yeah, to rub it in their faces and everything as well. Yeah. Russia's kind of this kind of remote place as well. Like. Yeah. But, but even then, I mean, the South Africa one, I distinctly remember that people telling me at this time eight years ago that Argentina were destined to win the World Cup because Maradona was the manager. Yeah, that had the Maradona factor. And, and it's impossible going, not to get excited when And I was sat there going, but you don't have a fucking chance of winning the World Cup because Maradona's the manager. <laughs> and they were going, no, no, but winning World Cups is what Maradona does. Well, one in three attempts. It, it's, it's better than most players, man, it's sure, but you can't really get... Like, it's, it's not Pelé. <laughs> You've got to admit, though, Sam, it was really fun. <laughs> yeah, it was good. Yeah, but now that we're... It was really, really entertaining. Then he's gone to Belarus. He's going to be a chairman slash manager. Yes, Deportivo Brest or, yeah. or uh, Deportes Brest or something. Um, I, I don't find it that funny. I think it was a, a waste of a very decent portion of Lionel Messi's international career. Yeah. And it, it's, it's one thing that I always bring up when people mention, oh, Messi's never won the World Cup. Well, Maradona was never managed by Maradona. So we had that just straight away. Yeah, but now that there will hardly be people singing uh, Russia, decime que se siente. Sorry. Uh, Maradona won one World Cup in four attempts, didn't he? Because he was involved in 82 as well. So it's even worse than I already suggested. Carry on, Everett. Well, it's one in three going into 2010. Oh, no, because it's at 94 as well. That's what I'm saying, yeah. Now, that optimism means that there won't be there uh, right now. It's because of the the final that the Argentinian lost, and of Mm. course because of the supporter subject that you have mentioned. I, th- I think also that there is a recognition, and you couldn't really not recognise it after the way the campaign went and, and after the, the Spain friendly, that there's no real defence in, in, in this team. I think that a lot of fans seem to be a little bit more realistic because of yeah. that. Yeah, the, the weird recognition was going to Dobelisco, Dobelisco <coughs> having, having lost the final in 2014. Mm. A lot of people were that's, going, that's a good point, yeah. going there and, and celebrating... Something that now it's far from 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 cure because uh, you lost uh, two finals in Chile, one against Germany. Now they, of course, people. Uh, if you ask that that same people, they will say no. That now they have to win, and uh, it's the Argentinian way of life. Yeah, we now move on to the hand of pod listeners eleven of the season. Mm-hmm. I'm going to exclude Franco Armani and Ricky Centurion, who won the votes for their position, but who, quite rightly, as somebody, as I mentioned, pointed out earlier, didn't actually play 15 matches. I'm not, I'm not in agreement with this at all, Sam. And what that means is that the goalkeeper in this 4-3-3 formation is Martin Campagna of Independiente. So we have a foreigner in the squad, which I don't think we would have had if I hadn't done this, uh, if I hadn't excluded them. He, he actually finished second in the voting to Franco Armani, but as I mentioned, Franco Armani wasn't eligible. Um, the right back there, this was the only position for which we could only really find three nominations uh, Fabricio Bustos of Independiente wins that just ahead well actually quite a long way ahead of Leonardo Godoy of Tacheres 
with Luciano Abecassis of Godoy Cruz finishing third. Right centre-back is won by quite a distance by Herman Conti of Colón. Alejandro Donati, Racing's goal-scoring centre-back, is in second. Shema Gomez-Andrade of Union third. And Alan Franco of Independiente fourth. But Donati has reached that minimum number of appearances. Doesn't matter, he didn't win the vote. So let's just brush over that if he hasn't done. Let me check. Oh, he only joined in January as well, didn't he? Yes, 14. Who was he playing for before that? Mexican. Oh, he wasn't playing in Argentina. No. Bugger. Okay. Donati played... Here we go. 14 matches. <laughs> I've really shot the bed on this one. I'm telling you, he's going to 14 the cover. Left centre-back, Lissandro Magashan wins it against Fabrizio Colocini with Tomas Cardona and Guillermo Ortiz, uh, the other two players nominated. That's the position, of course, that caused a lot of controversy because a lot of people felt that Christian Lema should have been nominated. Um, but there was a lot of competition, actually, considering the general lack of decent defending in Argentina. Um, there was a surprising amount of competition for those two centre-back spots, so I apologise. Left-back is won by Frank Fabra. Not really very much real competition there. Marcelo Saraki, um, a distant second, just ahead of Fabrizio Anghileri and Adrian Spurle of Godoy Cruz and Banfield. Wilma Barrios is the overwhelming choice for number five, with two-thirds of the 41 votes cast. Neri Dominguez, who was Dam's nomination for Racing. Mm-hmm. Finishing second on 20%, Pablo Guignasu of Tacheres on 12%, and Robert Piris Damota of San Lorenzo, which was Mariano's, um, I think, deserved nomination, uh, finished on 2% of the votes, which means he got one vote. Uh, right central midfield, Maxi Mesa of Independiente beating out Pablo Perez, Gonzalo Martinez, and Cristian Bernardi. Left central midfield is Ricky Centurion, but he's going to be excluded. So Paul Fernandez gets that spot ahead of Naitan Nandes and Martin Benitez. Right wing was the most one-sided vote of the lot, and I think entirely justifiably, having started the season criticising him for playing like he's got a bucket on his head, which he still does sometimes, but he's added something to his game, and he's still very good at wearing that bucket, as it were. Christian Pavon gets 90% of the vote. Did you not put Gonzalo Martinez in two positions? Yes, I did, accidentally. Accidentally. Without... These... These polls took me a, a fucking hour to tweet out on Twitter last night, so I, I forgot between one and the other, alright? Second place was Leandro Fernandez on 8% of the vote, Lucas Gamba on 2%, and Brian Aleman didn't get a single vote for you, Nassio. And he's, was a bit he harsh. even isn't the right... He did better at left wing, I thought cutting inside and, and uh. using that wand of a left foot that he's got. Especially left he got, wing, yeah, that many... Left wing was won by Gonzalo Martinez, um, but if you don't want to exclude him, to include him on the basis that I accidentally nominated him in two sorry, positions, you've got Matias Vargas, 8% behind him, 38 for, for Martinez, 30% for Matias Vargas and Vélez, Emmanuel Reynoso of Tacheres and Boca, and Brian Aleman, who I also accidentally nominated in both <laughs> positions, I see what you mean, um, finished third and fourth. Centre forward, a surprisingly comfortable win. For Lautaro Martinez. I, I wasn't surprised that he won, but I'm surprised that it was that there was that much daylight. Santiago Garcia was in second place. Uh, Ramon Avila only in third of Huracan and Boca. And Sebastian Rivas, Sebastian Rivas, who finished second top scorer whilst playing for fucking Patronato. Behind Avila. Only picked up 5% of 49 votes. What's that? Three votes? Two votes? Three votes, I think it must be, mustn't it? Uh, which, which I think is very harsh, isn't it? So, you're overall 11. The Handapod listers 11 of the season is Martin Campagna, Fabricio Bustos, Herman Conti, Lisandro Magashan, and Frank Fabra across the back. 
Wilmar Barrios anchoring the midfield with Maxi Mesa and Paul Fernandez either side of him. And then Christian Pavon and Gonzalo Martinez or Matias Vargas on the wings. I'll let you have Gonzalo Martinez since River don't have anyone else in there. <laughs> in between, Lautaro Martinez up front for Racing. That's a fine mm-hmm. 11. There it's were a couple of enough. players, I have to say, who I wanted to nominate as well. Ignacio Puceto, as I already mentioned, I, I put forward in, in the WhatsApp. Yes. Um, I also nominated Conti, as to be said. Um, but uh, he, he was one. And the other who I think is a player we've not really talked about at all, as far as I can remember during the season, but who's really come into his own in these last few weeks and who I would like to keep an eye on next season, if possible. It wouldn't surprise me if he's playing for a different club next season, actually, because apparently he's been linked to a couple. Uh, is Claudio Espinelli, who's uh, San Martín's... Cesar Espinelli, I think. Claudio, isn't it? I thought he was called Claudio. Let's Google this. I'm pretty sure he's Cesar. Or Claudio Cesar or Cesar Claudio. Sorry, if I for. No, it's Claudio. Claudio. Claudio Paul Espinelli. Oh, oh Claudio Paul. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yes, Claudio <laughs> Paul. Canicia. Yes. Um, who's, oh, he's on loan. He's, he's been on loan to San Martín mm. from Tigre. I hadn't noticed that, but he's only 20. He's, he's going to turn 21 next month. Um, and I think from what we've seen of him in the last few weeks, he's only really come into the team in the second half of the season, that he could be very, very promising. So he's my pick for... Potentially, let's say, under-21 player of the season in the Superliga, if that's a thing. Which I just made it, so it's fine. It's my podcast, I can do what I want. Um, oh, we've not got the mystical predictions. Uh, obviously, there are none this weekend, but what I mean by that is that I don't have the results of it. So, I'm going to play some mystical theme music. No, I'm not going to play some mystical theme music. I'm just going to pause the recording for a second, and I will tell you in a minute <laughs> the result of the final mystical predict-off of the season... I'm delighted to report it finished 7-6 to me with the decisive match being Gimnasia Newells in which Chris went for a draw and I went for a Gimnasia win uh, to take it with the final game or rather one of the final two games of the season because that was played simultaneously with River San Lorenzo in which we both predicted the River win. So unlucky Chris. Thank you for everybody who's joined in during this season. Uh, for this uh, challenge feel free to to challenge me again week by week next season perhaps we can get some of the other podcast members involved as well Mm -hmm. Um, thank you very much to all of our Patreon supporters as ever please if you've not already started being a Patreon supporter consider doing so I'm probably going to hold off I think on releasing the um, slightly higher tier uh, of rewards until the new season starts because it strikes me that there's going to be a little bit more to talk about then so launching it right at the end of the season seems a bit daft but obviously now that there are people paying for it one of the bonuses that everybody gets to enjoy is that we're not going away this Mm. winter break we're going to continue recording weekly episodes Um, if you are a Hand of Pod uh, Patreon supporter then of course you can carry on listening or rather you can't carry on on this file but there will be a separate Hand of Pod Extra which we're going to record in a couple of minutes time Um, and yeah we're going to come up with some goodies to uh, keep you all entertained during the winter break as well if you're interested in any particular subject particularly if it has to do with the history of Argentine football or the folklore as people call it here sometimes please do tweet in um, suggestions feel free to do this whether you're a a Patreon supporter or not Um, and and we'll try and uh, keep ourselves entertained during the gap between the World Cup. Obviously, these episodes aren't going to be as long as our normal ones, and they certainly won't be as long as this one, because we've gone over quite a bit of time. 
Um, but we hope that you've enjoyed spending the season with us. We look forward to spending the winter break with you and the World Cup with you as well. And for now, it's thank you and goodbye from English Dan. Goodbye and thank you for listening. From Andres. Goodbye, thank you. And goodbye from me. Goodbye and thank you. There are a couple of results to tell you about the full-time scores uh, in the Copa Argentina. We've just seen, I think, possibly the biggest shock in the Copa Argentina's very short history. Racing have gone out 1-0 against Sarmiento de Resistencia, with Sarmiento playing the last uh, 20 minutes or so down to 10 men after a red card. Incidentally, what I said on the main part of the uh, podcast that that match was being played in Sarmiento de Junín's stadium was actually incorrect. It was my phone app lying to me. It was played in Banfield's ground since Sarmiento de Junín and Banfield both playing green. When I read this out, it, it seemed absolutely fine compared with what we were looking at on the television. Um, and in Bogotá, uh, Misionarios versus Independiente has just finished 1-1, which means, combined with Deportivo Lara losing 5-2 at home to Corinthians, that Corinthians have 10 points, Independiente 7, Lara 6 and Millonarios 5 with one game left in Group G of the Copa Libertadores. Next week, the matchups are Independiente at home to Lara and uh, I think it's Corinthians at home to Millonarios. So we will wait and see whether Independiente make it through to the knockout stages. <laughs>